Welcome to Let's Chat on Here First Productions with your host, Craig Busek. It's weird. You walk down the same street a million times, but you know it so well you stop seeing it. Like autopilot. You stop seeing what's really there. You press a button inside yourself that makes you just roll along. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left, right, left, just rolling. (sighs) Drifting. Floating through in your own little bubble world. Then, if, when, something happens. That changes. The bubble bursts. You see it all again, fresh, like it's the first time. And that was a small clip from episode six from Here First Productions, Roxy Likes Cats, written by Jack Michael Stacey and Rashim Fahi. A play that shone at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2018, it was our most personal episode to date, being based on Rashim's own life experiences. And when first sent the hour-long stage play late last year, I gave the writing partners a tough challenge of condensing their work by 75%. A task they took with great enthusiasm, offering tremendous results. I sat down with Jack and Machine the day of our recording where we explore the development of the project, the experiences of time at the Fringe, and all the little moments that make this episode so universally relatable. First off, thank you very much for letting us use your story. It's been an absolute pleasure working on it. Thanks for taking it. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for having us. No problem at all. Uh, In your own words, can you tell us what the start point was, where it's been, and how we've got it into the studio here? Well, it was our final year of drama school mm-hmm. and um, we were asked to create a new piece about anything we wanted. And me and Machine wanted to work with each other for a long time before that yeah. anyway. Uh, I, I'd written a few things before this, uh, just outside of drama school and, and inside. Mm-hmm. And, and um, We actually lived together at the time. Yeah. And so like had a lot of conversations in the kitchen about it and um, came up with this idea that if we were to write a play that featured me quite heavily what would we call it and as a joke one of us said Roxy likes cats yeah um because I went through an emo phase when I was about you know 11, during 12, the emo 13, phase years we've all been there yeah, yeah. We, everyone's well, done machine it machine was Roxy I made everyone call me Roxy right and um, we all knew this everyone in our this year was knew a, this. this was a running joke we'd all seen pictures um and so <laughs> so we kind of imagined this world where 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 Roxy existed as a different person to Machine. So, yeah. a lot of, so although the piece is fictional, mm. it, it's mm-hmm. based on a true story, like yeah. inspired by a true story. Yeah, inspired by a true story. I'd yeah. say. Um, and so it kind of grew. It kind of grew from there. Um, we had the title. We had an idea about what we wanted to say about grief and about death, and you know, featuring male suicide and stuff mm. like that. It's quite a heavy topic, but we wanted to treat it with a bit of lightness and comedy, talking mm-hmm. about ourselves, revealing truths, and you know, entertaining people at the same time. Yeah. So it kind of grew out of that. Yeah. So we we went we kind of ran with this theme and we constructed this story and we presented it firstly for kind of um like it's essentially a, like the dissertation for drama school. Mm-hmm. We presented it for that and we had a great response and a lot of people really liked it and I think we both loved just creating just it and working it. on it. We had a lot of people ask us. It was about May this time. Uh, ask us what we're going to do with it next and a conversation about the Edinburgh Fringe came up and we'd done the Fringe the year before Mm. Uh, Rasheen was in one of my shows there and and this was May and so usually if you're taking a show to the Fringe you you start (laughs) in 
you know, January <laughs> latest yeah. of that year. And so we booked up the first slot we could yeah. um, up at the Fringe. We had a, a week um, with Greenside venues. And then we had about, you know, a month to R&D this, this play, which was 15 minutes originally, mm-hmm. and we turned into 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. We were, I think we were both amazingly happy with what, what we came out with at the yeah. end. It, it was a, it was really, it was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially it being a one-woman show, something I'd never done before. And so it was great for me and Jack. It was like we were such a team on it. And, and it so was just, personal as well. It was very personal, yeah. Yeah. And I think it helped us being good friends, living together. Like we were able to genuinely take the the real aspects of of this story and, and channel it into this writing and Jack to take his own twist on it mm. and have that separation but still keep it something like a, an important topic that needs to be talked about. Mm. Yeah, and, really. and it's, you know, it's becoming more talked about. Yeah, um, definitely. But, but, but quite slowly, mm. you know, the, the idea of men and, you know, that conversation about men and emotions and being able to express our emotions and what happens when we don't, the idea that we don't have to fulfil these male stereotypes stuff like that and 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 what happens in the family dynamic when things like that Mm. uh, don't maybe work as well as they could you know stuff like that you're right it's something that people are talking about now they're opening up about there's a strong fraction of the world that are trying to change yeah the ability for men to open up and just quickly am i right in thinking that there was funding or backing from we had we had some we had some yeah. we had some money from charities, uh, which was really good, and we also had some money from our drama school, mm-hmm. uh, which was really good. And then we we basically we, fundraised the rest we, of it. We yeah we fundraised a lot. We had um we had a lot of help um from investment companies, um friends and family came through and donated a lot, and that that really was just yeah. is what got us there really. Yeah, yeah. And we had a really great like team behind us with Edinburgh as well. We had two shows going up that year under the same the Make Space banner, which was our theatre company, mm-hmm. um, and probably worth mentioning Jane, Jane yeah. Christie, yeah. who, who directed the original show and R and D it with us before that mm-hmm. in Edinburgh, who was like a, you know instrumental yeah. in making everything happen. Yeah, she came with us and was there, so supportive. Yeah, it was just just very very good director. Yeah. So when you first yourself and I, Rasheen, had the phone call about the script yeah. and then, uh, Jack, you sent it to me. Because I gave you a, a mammoth task. I said, this is great, I love it, and we'll get into the reasons why in a moment, but that task of taking something mm. that's 45 minutes and cutting out 75% of it, how's that been from your end of things? Well, actually, all right, because, you know, when we made the, when we made the first show, there was 15 minutes, and that was largely based on my imagination and what I knew about Rasheen's mm. story, uh, which was, you know, very little in the beginning. And then when we decided we wanted to take to Edinburgh, we sat down on multiple occasions, you know, and we just talked for hours. I remember having about four or five hours of just stuff on my, my laptop just yeah. to go through and stuff I lifted out. And we made, and, and out of that, we made the 45-minute show, mm-hmm. which was very rich, a lot richer than the original 15-minute one. It had more detail in it. It was probably more hard to swallow. It was a bit, you know, it was a bit more kind of dark. It had, had those elements in it. And so coming back then to the 15-minute thing wasn't actually that difficult, you know, with your help, which was great, uh, but also the knowledge that we, we knew the story we wanted to tell, and that was the story about a girl who had lost her father and hadn't quite come to terms with it yet. And so as long as we stick to that, then all of the rest of it, however long that is, 15 minutes, 45 minutes, it can go. Yeah. 
Um, and so going back to the 15 minutes was, wasn't too bad. As long as you hold on to that core theme, that exactly, core story. Yeah, exactly. It's been interesting as well, obviously, reading it at 45 minutes, seeing what it became at 15 minutes, and then the redrafts that went through after that is interesting that your journey, Rasheen, your or your character's journey, it changed in particular on the day of recording. We realised, okay, if you say these lines in this particular way, there's a guilt added. If you add mm-hmm. this, it's the anger at what's happening. In this point, it's the nostalgia that's come up. Yeah. And this is a wholly unique story to anything we've done, and it's so personal to you. But at the same time, it's incredibly universal. It is something that everyone either has or will mm-hmm. go through, the loss of a loved one and how they cope with it. And those universal themes are coming out in spades, but there's so much packed in. I, mean, I, I don't know if you want to open up at all about kind of how that's been for you whilst you're in the recording room or... Well, um, well, a huge, a huge theme for me was to show how everybody deals with grief differently mm. and whether it is, whether it is the, as, as close as a, a 21-year-old girl who's lost her father to suicide, it, even if it's that same issue... Everyone will approach accepting that news and and walking home with that news and seeing the rest of the family with that news for the first time. Everyone's going to deal with that differently. And I think each time we've done this piece, whether it's 10 minutes at Alra or um, in Edinburgh Fringe for 45 minutes or it's here in this recording studio, I think the character of Roxy has actually dealt with it ever so slightly differently each time. And I think that, that has been fun to play with. Grief isn't sadness. It isn't loss. And it's not uniform. There is you know, no set. Yeah. There's so much stuff that happens when we lose someone. Mm. You know, they say there's like a 15-step process. And I think that's probably not true. I think there's hundreds of steps. And so I think the cool thing about this script and when Rasheen does it, and, and particularly when we did it in Edinburgh, doing it live every night. You know, in the studio you have options. You can go back and mm-hmm. re-record another bit. Yeah. But when you do it live... One thing affects the next. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a line last night that was funny, tonight makes you cry, yeah. Yeah. you know. And, and that, that's the cool thing about theatre. But with this, you know, we get to make a version of it that that has all of that stuff in it. And you get to kind of conduct that and orchestrate it and, and build it around what you're giving us. And, and that's that's the cool thing about why what, like, what we're doing now, mm. I think. So did you go at it every night thinking, I'm going to try and stick to the original ideas or okay last night this bit was guilty angry whatever um there were obviously set pieces and like each time each time we redid it jane would say okay maybe next time focus on this or focus Mm -hmm. on this Mm -hmm. but i think for me what changed it every time was as the audience entered i saw them i was on stage they came in and i was there looking at them and i think for a lot of people even people who do regularly go to theater like if if you if you walk into the theatre and, and the, the actor is there looking at you. Mm. It's quite unnerving and it's quite, oh God, are they supposed to be looking at me or yeah. not? Mm. Oh, has it started? Are they pretending? So I think it was really nice to like gauge, gauge who was here. I actually made a connection with each and every one of them. Mm. And, you know, it's it's fringe. It's a small venue. Yeah. Um. So I was able to quite clearly see them and smile at people. And I got, you got a vibe off the audience some people were very reserved. Some people are like, oh. Mm. So I think I took a lot from the audience. Yeah. And so that carried through in the performance. Yeah, learning how to play the character as much as playing the people that are seeing it. Mm. It's lovely. I think it's that's nice. the cool thing about doing it for radio, actually, and doing it specifically for, like, a podcast. When, you, when you're in the theatre, you go in, you sit down, and then when the house lights drop, you know, to be quiet, and then the show starts. With this show, the house lights didn't drop. 
not not until not you know not for a few minutes at least. So the beginning of you talking to them, they know that you're looking at them. Mm. And the cool thing about a podcast is that you're in their ears. Yeah, it's just you and me. You know, as we're talking now, this microphone is connected to this computer, and they're going to listen to it uploaded on like the fucking cloud or whatever. <laughs> oh, so I'm allowed to spare. So Absolutely, yeah. are we? Um, <laughs> so yeah, the cloud or whatever. Um, and you know, we're in your ears or we're in your bedroom. It's not like. You know that that convention we've we've we've, I think it translates oh, yeah. quite well that it's a personal story and so the way we're telling it mm. is mm. personal. For some, it, it will be kind of education. Some it will be mm. like consolation. Yeah, I'm sure we've all been there where we've you know we've had something that's changed in our life, and we've you know metaphorically or literally we've stood at you know in front of a door, not quite sure if we want to go through it. What are the plans next with Roxy? So. You know, this is a this is a great format for it. I think I think it really works as a podcast. It really worked for Fringe. If if anything, I I would like to make a short film mm. with this script. I think it'd be quite cool. You know, like straight into the camera, one shot. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Just another way of share, of sharing the same story. Um, but if anywhere, I think that's where I would like it to go. In a, in mm-hmm. a well, like a verve bittersweet symphony kind of focusing on one person as they walk down the street. Yeah. Yeah. that would work really nicely. Yeah, that, yeah. that's that, what that I have our, in my head. That was about our it. original concept. Yeah. It, it was literally the way that my road is set out and the train station is literally at the end and you come in and we had this vision of the doors open off the train, she steps off mm-hmm. and the camera follows her in one shot all the way down the straight roads to her front door, finishes yeah. the story and goes inside. In my head, it's still so beautiful yeah. the way that could work. And I think we've tried to capture the essence of that yeah. in the fringe version of it and and in this version of it. Well, this is, again, it's testament to your story and to your writing is it something that can be adapted for stage which then can be adapted for podcasts which is completely different you're focusing on so many different things you're focusing mm-hmm. on the atmosphere of the time the background this but etc 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 and then but it's also something that could easily become a short film and as mm-hmm. you say in that in that format would be lovely you know difficulty comes with translating and adapting pieces when it's when it's complicated when mm-hmm. you know you've got to work lots of stuff out mm-hmm. but essentially the reason this works in a lot of different ways i think is because it's just one person Telling you a story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no bells and whistles to it. It's exactly. just, this is a slice of life. This is yeah. an experience. Yeah. Get on board or don't. So I'm fascinated by the Edinburgh Fringe. I've never been. Uh, slap yeah. on the wrist. I know. I should go. I will. I know. Yeah. When you were there, were there any highlight moments? Were there any low light moments? What was your best and worst memory? <laughs> oh, God. If it's shared, great. If not, no worries. Please. Oh, my God. So my, my okay, I'm going to start off my worst one because that's the first one that comes that's to mind. great. Um, you know, I, I love Edinburgh. I think it's an amazing atmosphere. It's brilliant to take a show there if you write, direct, act, produce, anything. Mm-hmm. But, flyering. Oh, God. Edinburgh right. in July and August isn't summer like it just it just rains (laughs) and you've got to be stood outside and you forget your coat and you've got 300 flyers to give away my worst memory was that we you know we had we had this thing this kind of gimmick um we we gave away five tickets to every show Mm -hmm. and you know that you know the day that you really want people to come it's going to pour down with rain you're going to be stood outside the theater with these five tickets in your hand mm-hmm. and nobody's going to take them absolutely <laughs> you know we were really <laughs> lucky with audiences you know for a show that only had a couple of months prep but we still had to fly her. Uh, and that's the, yeah. i think that's the hardest thing for me about edinburgh is you have to like sell your soul to people who don't really <laughs> want to buy it yeah. <laughs> i love this play so much mm. and no matter how much i love it it's very hard to sell on the street 
this play. Yeah. Because, I mean, the the buzz in Edinburgh around Fringe is just incredible and there's mm. all sorts of everything going on. Yeah. And it's all over the entire city and, and and you run from one end of the of the mile to the other and to just see a play which you don't know anything about yeah. and probably a man hitting tubes or something. <laughs> but like when people are like running from place to place to place and it's like, come see my play, what's it about? A girl's dad dies. Well, I remember you used to say like, oh, uh, what's it about? Oh, it's about a girl who likes cats and it's very funny. Yeah. You don't give anything else away. Don't say anything else. Um, and I think it was the best. I think it was the last show when clearly people had come in from that yeah. that tagline and and a woman like looked me in the eyes at the end and she was crying and she was and she was like, That was very mean what you did just then. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm yeah. sorry. I think that was quite, actually leading on to that, that was probably my favourite thing about it. I was gonna say that sounds like an absolute highlight. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. I think we, you know, it was a it was a fairly big space for Edinburgh. It was 80, 80 seats. 80 seats, Which is yeah. fairly big for Edinburgh. Yeah. You know, the last time we did it, it was 20 we had. Or it was 20 or 30. And the great thing about this show and this run of it that we did was after all the show, after all, after everything said, the lights go out, the lights come back up, machine does her bow, no one moves. Mm. And so you have this like glorious moment where everyone's just kind of stumped and they just sit there. And then occasionally, you know, you would get up to open the door or whatever and let people out and they would like look at you and and you'd see this like look in their eye and they they want to say something, but they just can't, can't quite. And to know that you've done something to them, you know. Mm-hmm. You've wowed them. You've... Well, yeah, you've, you know, you've, you've said what you wanted to say and you've, you know, you've told, you've told the story the best way that you could. Yeah. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was probably the cool, like that was probably one of my favourite things about this show. Even though, even though it's quite hard, I used to love getting to the end and and like, like feeling the air, you know, yeah. like people people have like changed because of it, and like in a tiny tiny way, not like not mm. to, you know, make it too too self-aggrandizing, but you know, I thought that was quite, I thought that was probably my favorite. Oh no, because it was positively reviewed. People sat down and they enjoyed. It. They they were as you said, glued yeah. to their seats at the time. What percentage of audiences knew that it was semi autobiographical? Oh, good question. Um, because. Zero percent of the listeners are gonna until unless they've listened to this first, yeah. they aren't gonna know that what Which they've I listened to. Which I doubt they will listen to they, this first. I doubt they'll listen to this at all. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, okay. well, well done. done. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but no one that downloads this are gonna know that it's semi autobiographical. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious how how much of your audience knew. I th- f- I wouldn't very, say yeah. very very few on each performance. Maybe mm. only. If I knew someone in the audience. Yeah. I remember when your mum came to see the preview we did at Alra. And when she came out, she t- the only thing she said to me was, there's there's not there's not enough about him in it, about your dad in it. And I was like, fucking hell. Because I thought, I thought, you know, I thought it would be the opposite. I don't know. I'm kind of speaking on your behalf now. But I think that, the, I think that if you, kn- whether you know it's true or not, you should feel the truth, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm. And you know, it's not entirely true. A lot of it's made up. All the pretty much all the stories are made up. I'm curious. Was that actually a big green chair? No, the chair story is not true. That no, is a shame. That's like, all made up. The chair story is my favourite bit. But yeah, no, the chair story. Yeah. I think I think uh, pers- like personally for me, it's the kind of thing that so easily could have happened. Yeah. Th- I think that's why I enjoy it so much. But but no, it's not actually true. So what can we see you in next? What are you working on next? I know you're both jobbing actors. 
Yeah. Uh, um, jobbing at actors and writers. Well, you're yeah. writing as well, as well. Oh, as yeah. As well, as well. Started, just started. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll go first. I'll go first, shall I? Yeah, you go first. I'm working on a play, um, which I'm just about to finish, which you read for, actually. Yes. Um, and didn't get the part. And <laughs> there's not been cast yet. She did a, a, rehearsed, a, like a reading of it. Um, uh, so I'm working on that at the moment. Uh, and I'm also working on a couple of um, short film scripts. And what are the names of the short films? What's the name of the play? Oh, the play. Well, the play is in the the title of the play is in debate. <laughs> so I'm 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 not quite sure. Those, in, as it, in, it's up in the air. It's, it's, it's not, not called, called in, in debate. debate. Okay. It's to be confirmed. Uh, one is called. The Life and Death of Edward Mulberry. Okay. Um, and that's about a voiceover artist who gets a fly in the recording studio. And uh, what happens after that? And comedy ensues. Exactly. There you go. Comedy and death. <laughs> <laughs> Rasheen. Um, so I'm auditioning a lot, mm-hmm. which is good. Auditions are better than... Not no auditions. Audi- not yeah. auditions. Um, so yeah, going up for a few things at the moment, mainly short films, which hopefully um will come through and look very promising as jack mentioned i'm for the first time starting to write um alongside a very talented actor and musician um lisbeth semper so we're creating a new tv series together which is in the very very early stages but hopefully blossoms into something beautiful on that note i think we'll leave it there jack michael stacy rasheen fahi thank you very much thank you that was great <laughs> thank, thank you, you very much